Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule, but before we do, guys, we are moving out of summer and into the fall season, so I've got a question for you. What is your favorite thing about fall? Autumnal banter like this. <laughs> Autumnal banter. Oh my wow. I was like, what? <laughs> Talk to me a second. Shorts and a hoodie. When, when the weather is cool enough to wear a hoodie, but warm enough to wear shorts, that is money. That is the sweet spot in the calendar year. Mm. I, that confuses me. Like I, I've never done that before. Well, it's I mean, like trying to hold on to summer on accident like, and embracing oh, fall. Clay, <laughs> Clayton is confused before we even jump into the next Job text. We could be in trouble. Uh, the, but I feel like once I put on a hoodie, like it's jeans, like you're, it's long pants at that point. No, wear your short pants. <laughs> My short pants, short pants and a hoodie. Um, you have never put on a hoodie and shorts well i probably have on accident where i like oh i went someplace and i was wearing i was wearing short sleeves and i got cold and i grabbed a hoodie but i don't think i ever did it intentionally like wow and this you is didn't find that so remarkably delightful that you thought <laughs> i need to do this again <laughs> but i'll pay attention this time i'm cozy on top and a little cool on the bottom <laughs> it's, like, it's like the mullet the mullet of outfits <laughs> oh. oh what about you clayton what's your favorite um, fall well thing? i do i do really like the weather it is nice that it's not blazing hot it's not freezing cold it's like a, a sweet spot and it's beautiful like when the you know the the evenings like when the sun is setting and it's just like gorgeous uh but i'll i'll, I'll say the food so like mm pumpkin pie that comes out i'm not like the pumpkin spice person but like i do like a pumpkin pie or like chili and soup starts to make sense which oh, you didn't eat chili. all, all yeah. you know summer because it's too hot yep. so that's it's like cozy food it feels good to come in when it's a little cool and like eat something that's hearty and warm like that's that's nice yeah that is nice for me it's hoodies and hot coffee so like but like while you're taking a walk so i drink hot coffee I, I in like the summer and hot coffee all the time that's right. she, she went a little jersey there i drink hot coffee <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm usually in hoodies oh, well because it's kind of cold in our building right usually but uh, and I'll drink hot coffee during the summer but I love to walk take walks when it's cooler in a hoodie with a nice hot cup of coffee I'm not walking outside with a hot cup of coffee in the summertime it's just it's just not possible so for me it's hoodies and hot coffee all right well that ends our fall conversation Clayton what are we looking at autumnal banter autumnal banter <laughs> All right, so we are going to be again in the book of Job. Uh, we're going to be in Job 21, and let me give you some some context here because we are quite a few chapters uh, past where we were last time. So if you recall, the the story of Job is about a man who has lost everything, and he's really processing the question, why did this happen to me? Uh, because the the premise underneath it is Job didn't lose everything because he did something wrong. In fact, the opposite, he's a righteous man, like he's a godly guy. And uh, God is having this conversation in heaven with uh, Satan, and they're having this question of, is Job only following God, only honoring God because he has been blessed with these good things, or would he still honor God even if they went away? And so, they've gone away, and now the, the most of the book is Job interacting with his friends and they're processing, why did this happen to Job? Because Job doesn't know what's going on in heaven. He doesn't know about that debate. So, he's trying to figure it out, but he knows, I... I've done everything I can to honor God, but his friends come in. Okay. So his friends, like this is a classic thing. Uh, the friends react the right way at first. Like they sit there with Job in silence. They weep with him in his suffering, 
But as soon as they open their mouth, they start to theorize about what Job did wrong. So they're trying to explain the situation. Here's, here's how to make sense of it, Job. And again and again, they go back to this. Job, if you're suffering this way, it must be because you've done something wrong and God is punishing you. Otherwise, why would, you, why would this be happening to you? And Job doesn't know why, but he knows that doesn't make sense in my situation. So they are doing this back and forth and it's getting, uh, it's getting a little heated. You'll see some, some, you know, uh, name calling happening here, um, in a little bit, but just so you know, what's happened right before chapter 21, uh, chapter 20, one of his friends uh, has basically said, um, you know, you, you've done something wrong, just repent. And now Job is responding to him. All right, so chapter 21, Job replies, listen carefully to my words. Those are fighting words right, mm-hmm. out of the, right out of the gate. Listen carefully to my words. Let this be the consolation you give me. Bear with me while I speak, and after I have spoken, mock on. Is my complaint directed to a human being? Why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled. Clap your hand over your mouth. When I think about this, I am terrified. Trembling seizes my body. Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? They see their children established around them, their offspring before their eyes. Their homes are safe and free from fear. The rod of God is not on them. Their bulls never fail to breed. Their cows, calve, do not miscarry. They send forth their children as a flock. Their little ones dance about. They sing the music of timbrel and lyre. They make merry to the sound of the pipe. They spend their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. Yet they say to God, leave us alone. We have no desire to know your ways. Who is the almighty that we should serve him? What would we gain, what would we gain by praying to him? But their prosperity is not in their own hands. So I stand aloof from the plans of the wicked. Yet how often is the lamp of the wicked snuffed out? How often does calamity come upon them? The fate of God allots in his anger. How often are they like straw before the wind, like chaff swept away by a gale? It is said... God stores up the punishment of the wicked for their children. Let him repay the wicked so that they themselves will experience it. Let their own eyes see their destruction. Let them drink the cup of the wrath of the Almighty. For what do they care about the families they leave behind when their allotted months come to an end? Can anyone teach knowledge to God since he judges even the highest? One person dies in full vigor, completely secure and at ease, well-nourished in body, bones rich with marrow. Another dies in bitterness of soul, never having enjoyed anything good. Side by side, they lie in the dust and worms cover them both. I know full well what you are thinking, the schemes by which you would wrong me. You say, where now is the house of the great, the tents where the wicked lived? Have you never questioned those who travel? Have you paid no regard to their accounts that the wicked are spared from the day of calamity, that they are delivered from the day of wrath? Who denounces their conduct to their face? Who repays them for what they have done? They are carried to the grave and watch is kept over their tombs. The soil in the valley is sweet to them. Everyone follows after them and a countless throng goes before them. So how can you console me with your nonsense? Nothing is left of your answers but falsehood. All right, we're going to jump into O and comma, which is observations. This is where we look at what we see here and try to identify clues so that we can figure out a message. And uh, when we're reading something poetic like this, uh, we're dealing with a lot of different kinds of imagery and it's uh, flowery and elaborate. So uh, it's a little bit different kinds of observations than we've been doing uh, in other types of writing where it's stories and that sort of thing. So uh, we're going to see a lot of imagery here. What do you guys see? 
to me, I, I have to just, I was, I was fascinated by how this, like this, it made like a word picture pop into my brain when he said, look at me and be, be appalled, clap your hand over my mouth. It's almost like this, <gasps> you know what I mean? Like that's literally the sound that came in my mind when I read that. And um, I love the fact that, um, I know we're reading about something like bad here, right? But I love the fact that you can find, um, it's almost like a child's book. Like I'm sitting there and you're, if you're reading to a kid, there's pictures, right? To help them like imagine it. But how God even in the writing of his word allowed words to be put into sentences that cause these like <gasps> moments for us. We're like, oh, I get it. Like, wow. To, to me, that's just, it's just, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, I think that's amazing because the uh, Job is a book that is studied in literature classes, even apart from religion. So, like, even people who aren't uh, Jewish or Christian who would hold this as sacred text, like, you'll read this in a world literature class because it's really well written. And that imagery, it, like, evokes yeah. so much and it captures these human emotions and you see things. So, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Um, I, I look at this and um, – the the tone gets me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like he starts off really sassy, right? Like he, he's like, "All right, just bear with me a little, and then mock on." Like he's he's you know, and he ends with like, "Okay, then you can console me with your nonsense, and then I'll let you get back to your falsehoods." And you know, and like you can tell that Job is frustrated by this, and and it would probably almost be easier for Job to say, "All right, fine." I'll figure out something to say sorry for and admit that, you know, I did, must have done something wrong and like give in to them. But he feels so frustrated that that doesn't make sense to him. It doesn't make sense that you would say, you must you must have done something truly wicked. And Job's like, no, I I was really faithful. Um, and, and there's that tension and frustration of hearing people continue to accuse him uh, when he hasn't done something wrong. Yeah, in a previous in the previous uh, podcast episode, we were talking about wisdom literature and how Proverbs seems to be very practical advice. Ecclesiastes seems to be more philosophical about the meaning of life. And Job pushes against this kind of tit-for-tat thinking, a mechanical view of God where essentially you say, if you do good things, God brings good things to your life. And if you do bad things, God brings bad things to your life. And it seems to be that that's the advice that Job's friends are bringing. Dude, things aren't going well. You did something wrong. Just admit what you did wrong, repent, and maybe God will turn the tables. But then in Job's logic here, he says, okay, if you're going to insist that the fact that I am suffering and experiencing bad things is because I did something wrong, how do you explain the fact? And then he goes like, there's, what is it? I don't know, five or six or seven verses, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. where He says, well, how do you explain the fact that good things come to people who are obviously leading evil lives. So your logic doesn't hold water. Yeah, it's, can't, it's not so cl clear cut of like your life corresponds with exactly what you're going to get, right? Like your, your, your behavior corresponds with the, the things you get in life. Yeah. What else? Uh, verse four stood out to me. He said, is my complaint directed to a human being? Um, he's like, He's, he's talking directly to God. He's asking God why. He's complaining to God. He's not, he knows that human beings have no answers for him. Like, this is far beyond them. So he's, he's like, no, I'm, I'm taking, I'm, I'm not complaining to you guys. I've got a much bigger, much bigger person that I'm talking to about this, yeah. about this too. Um, I, I see the repeated words in uh, verses 17, 18 around there. 
where he's he's uh, saying like, how often, how often, how often he's uh, he's asking like, all right, you see these wicked people who are doing really well. And how often do they really get what's coming to them, like what they deserve? And and the implied answer is not enough. You know, it's not it's not really that consistent. Um, and and there is this almost this frustration of look, I understand that we want uh, perfect justice, but it's clearly not happening that way. Like this isn't um, like somehow the the accounts aren't adding up here because most of the time this isn't really working out. In in verse nineteen, I guess like connected to that, it says. It is said, God stores up the punishment of the wicked for their children. Let him repay the wicked so that they themselves will experience it. it am I understanding it that he's saying, well, some people say this, but I think it needs to be this way. They, he needs to not punish people's children. He needs to punish the people themselves. Yeah, I think he's, a, he, I think he's anticipating, okay, look, if I say, why do, the, why do these wicked people get such good things? Like they're living large. Someone's going to come back at me and say, well, their children are probably going to suffer. Like the family is going to, you know, somehow down the line, you know, uh, get get what's coming. And Job's like, well, hang on a second. Like they live so well and then they died and they got to just enjoy a good life and then their family's going to suffer. Why doesn't God take care of them? Like, obviously he's not getting the, the culprit, you know, so uh, I, that would be fair. And I would get that, but that's not what happens. My observation comes from verse 22, where Job says, can anyone teach knowledge to God since he judges even the highest? It's as if Job is saying, look, you guys, all his friends, he's talking to his friends. You guys have all this advice. You're bringing me all this advice. You think you, you think you have it all figured out. You think you know exactly what's going on, but I don't think you do. And who, who are we to think that we know exactly how God is operating? Nobody counsels God. Nobody teaches God. The God that created everything is doing what he's doing. And maybe we get glimpses. Maybe we know partly, but certainly we don't think we have this all figured out, do we? I, I have an observation from uh, verse 23, 24, somewhere uh, in that area. It says, uh, one person dies in full vigor, completely secure and at ease, well-nourished. And then it goes on to say, another person dies in bitterness of soul, never having enjoyed anything good. And there is, there's like a harsh reality to that. First of all, he's saying everybody dies, you know, that there's, that like, we're all going to the same place. Uh, but he's also saying the life leading up to it, like, in some ways, it's a roll of the dice, whether or not you enjoyed a lot of good things in life or your life was really hard. And there's, there's kind of a harsh reality to, I don't really know if we can pinpoint all the explanations of that because it seems like it's kind of just thrown out there at random in some ways, or at least from our perspective. You know what I mean? He just came off of the, well, God's got his plans going on, but he's looking at it saying, look, one person gets good, one person gets bad. They all end up dead. You know, like it's, it's a dark place, but there's something like uh, clarifying about that reality of like, yeah, we don't really have a good explanation for all this. I've never thought about doing this before, but I might do it now. I wonder what would happen in your brain. Like if your brain would melt, if you read Job and Proverbs side by side, like, like you just kept toggling back, back and, and forth. forth because that sounds very fatalistic, right? Yeah. Like some people get good. Some people get bad. It's a roll of the dice. 
Just deal with whatever life brings you. Where Proverbs have seen to t- tell you, no, 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 no. There's the wise and there's the foolish. The wise say there is a God and live according to his decrees. The fool says there is no God and does whatever they want. If you do wise things, good things will generally come your way. And if you do foolish things, destruction will generally come your way. And then you have Job. It's like, <laughs> eh, it's, a, it's a roll of the dice. There's a really, really interesting two-sided coin in play here. There is a, there's an interesting... So wisdom literature is supposed to have a different effect on you than certain other kinds of, of writing in the Bible. It is supposed to make you wrestle. So you don't get wise just by reading the answer off the page. You get wise by seeing the tensions and the, the you know, comparing it to how real life goes and the questions, because there are even times in Proverbs, which is, you know, pretty straightforward, where there will be Proverbs that seem to contradict each other. And the point is, you're supposed to think about when these work, not how they work all the time, but when this proverb makes sense and when this one makes sense. And so the whole experience of saying, I'm going to read Proverbs, I'm going to read Job, I'm going to read Ecclesiastes. It, if you do that and process it, especially in, in community, you end up becoming wise people because you've thought through the way life really works and it's complex, right? And but So you have to do the chewing on it to get it. Job is said, sitting in a very interesting seat in this whole story. He has a perspective that his friends don't have. His friends have this point of view about the gods, how gods work or God works, which is if bad things are happening to you, it's because you did something bad and you're being punished. The gods are not happy with you. And they have a very mechanical view. But Job knows that he hasn't done anything wrong. His friends don't know that for sure. Job knows it. And so Job is pointing at the friend saying, you, you have this, you think you have it all figured out. You have this very sim- simplistic view of how God works and how life works. And it's like, you're so convinced that your simplistic view is right that you're not even considering the fact that maybe I didn't do anything wrong. But Job is the one that's sitting in the seat that knows he did nothing wrong. And so he has to wrestle with all of it where his friends can just kind of hold on to their ignorant, simplistic view. Yeah. Yeah. I, the one, one thing, some, some of you may be reading along in uh, the Bible savvy plan with Job and saying, why are we reading multiple chapters of this at a time? Part of it is because you need to get the contrast between those two things. You need to get the contrast between the friend. Like if you just read the friend chapter, it might actually sound plausible. That's the, that's the thing about it. Like there's a certain sense to it that you're like, yeah, that is probably how it works. You do something bad and God, you know, he's not happy with you and it goes poorly for you. Well, if you don't get the contrast, you might sort of be sucked in. There's a reason they thought that, that it worked this way. And it, it would be a nice way to think of things because it would make sense. Um, so you got to get that back and forth so it maintains that tension of, I don't really know, uh, you know how to figure all this out. Yeah, that's why it says in Proverbs, one person speaks and what they say seems right until the second person speaks. So speak, like speaking of people speaking, um, verse 27 He says, I know full well what you are thinking, the schemes by which you would wrong me. Is he talking to to them? Is Job talking to to his friends that they're talking with him? Yeah, I think I think he's saying, Look, I understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to accuse me of something. You're trying to, you know, get rationalize what I did that I did. Rationalize what I've done. Make sure make sure it's clear that I'm in trouble. So he's saying, I see through what you're doing, but I like there's more to the story. Yeah. So it's, to me, it's almost like um, we have to be, it's almost like you have to kind of discern, right? Like there could be people coming to you with all kinds of advice and 
you kind of have to discern like, who do I listen to? Hmm. Should I be listening to you? Like, that should be your message That's for this episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was, I was going to say, man. Save it, save it. Take it, it back, yeah. take it back from the observation <laughs> section. Take it back, pull it back. Uh, all right, why don't we do this? Okay. Let's go on to message. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're moving on to the message portion of the episode, and because I have once again forgot my iPad and we have no sound effects, it is time for your... Dun, 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 dun. Is that how it sounds? Is it, like is it a trumpet? I don't know. <laughs> it is a bugle, but I don't know if it sounds like that. It's time for your comma tip of the week. We are about to move into the message section of the comma method, which is where we try to say what, what message we are getting from the text in one sentence. So your comma tip for the week is, this is a really helpful exercise when you're doing your Bible reading. Just sit there for a few moments and try to boil everything down to what is the one thing I'm taking away today and try to get it into one sentence. It's a good exercise that will help you get something out of your Bible reading every day. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right. Nikki, you had already started down the road. How come you didn't do the fake bell? Oh, Oh, ding. ding. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You guys get punished for my forgetting my iPad. (laughs) Nikki, you you were getting started on a message. Yeah, I didn't realize that I was, but I mean, uh, that's really standing out to me as something really important. After hearing you guys talk about just that back and forth between Job and his, you know, supposed friends trying to help him rationalize that he did something wrong, even though he knows he's not. It it just occurred to me that um, we do need to be seeking the counsel of wise people, but I think wise people is the, is like the question, like the the main thing that we have to be looking at, because um, there are some people who think that they know good, wise, godly counsel. um, And maybe they don't, maybe they mean well, but they could be leading us in a different direction that we're not supposed to. So I think we need to be wise and discerning by the power of the Holy Spirit and say, do I actually need to be listening to you right now? Do I need to go and maybe run this by someone else who I know um, is a wise, godly person? And, uh, and, then, and then discern what I'm supposed to be doing with that advice. Okay, my message is four words, five if you don't count contractions. What? Are contractions funny to you, Clayton? Grammar, <laughs> just, grammar nobody can see you wave. Your, he is he is waving his hand at me. Just keep going. Just keep going. He's waving his hand at me dismissively, like he's shooing a fly. Here's my message. It's not that simple. Sometimes now things we're counting on our fingers. <laughs> so it, it is not that simple would be five. Yeah. It's not that simple would be four. Sometimes things are just not that simple. Yeah. Hmm. Um, my message is it's not so easy to sort people into good and bad people based on how their life is going. Now, that probably should be obvious. That's one of those things you're like, yeah, you shouldn't just judge someone based on whatever. But the, the reality is we have a tendency of doing this. We have a tendency even just kind of subconsciously to think I'm going to uh, trust, look up to, Uh, assume someone's got something figured out because their life is going well. And I'm going to be a little bit suspicious. I'm going to wonder what someone did wrong if things are going poorly. And, and sometimes that's just, well, maybe they know what they're doing, but there's also a little moral element of thinking, well, maybe that person is, you know, doing something 
wrong that, you know, has gotten them in trouble with God or whatever. And there's actually a tendency to do that with ourselves. So we look at other people and we might do that, but there's a tendency. And it's kind of what Job's friends want him to do for himself is say, look at yourself and assume if life's going bad, you must've done something bad. And if life's going good, going good, you must've done something good. And the reality is it doesn't line up that way. It's not so simple to sort out uh, good and bad based on the circumstances of your life. I could, after you sharing that one, I could even narrow down my message to one word. Sometimes. <laughs> Unpack that now. I feel like you could narrow it to one word. Sometimes. But sometimes. Uh, so let's take, let's say you see uh, a, I'm making a hypothetical up. Let's say there is a homeless person asking for money on the side of the street. And you're driving in your car and the person you're riding with says, that person's just homeless because they're lazy. Sometimes, but not all the time. Mm. Maybe something happened that you don't know about. Maybe they're really smart yeah. and they're trying really hard and life just threw them a curveball, and there they are. Sometimes, maybe, maybe not. Sometimes, it's not that simple. Mm. How many messages can I come up with that say the exact same thing? I mean, you just came up with you should like, You should probably two. land this plane or I'll just right keep. There. Well, we got to move on to application. <laughs> we got to do meditation. Oh, oh, meditation. Oh, we haven't even, we're only we, at the, we're only, at the, yeah, we're only halfway so, through this episode. Yeah, we've he talked got about a lot so, of things. He got so like stuck on just creating the one sentence things that he just. It was the comma word. tip of the week. Yeah, yeah. that's true. And, what, right. and it was a good one. So let's, let's, let's take a little moment to meditate here. Okay, okay. we're going to give you 45 seconds. And again, we, just like last time, we talked about lament. Job really does provoke a lot of those kind of lament things. Um, so the 45 seconds, what I want you to do is lament, particularly about something that seems unfair. Okay, there, there's, there is something appropriate of coming to God and saying, this, does, this doesn't feel fair. This doesn't feel like it, it, you know, it hits either something's going well for somebody or something's going poor for somebody. And to say, God, this doesn't feel fair, that you have permission to do that. So I'm going to give you 45 seconds to get started on that. Right. Let's talk about A and comma, which is application. How do we respond to this passage? Um, if I am going off of my message about uh, verse twenty-seven, with you know, not always being able to um, take the advice of of people, you know, their their godly counsel might not actually be wise. <laughs> what they think is godly and wise might not actually be. Um, I have, I have this bad habit of like actually giving my application away inside of my message. So if you like rewind and listen, it's probably there. But to me, uh, a very practical application for me would be to make sure that I actually do have wise, godly people in my life that I can seek the advice of. Um, and if for some reason I get a, advice from someone new in my life that I don't know, um, I know that I can take that and go and bring it to people who I know, who know me really well. And say, what do you think about this? 
my application would be based on my message, which was be, be careful when it comes to judgmental thoughts or thinking you know because you don't always know. It's the it's it's the it's the main theme in the in the book Crucial Conversations which is be careful not to finish a story and then react to your own story, right? So some sometimes you have certain data in front of you, you know certain things, but then we tend to fill in the blanks, we we tend to finish the story. But maybe the way we're finishing the story isn't the right story. And so just be careful. My application is be careful to not be so quick to judge others or judge their motivations or judge what's actually going on based on the limited amount of data I have. Cause I might be right and I might be wrong. So Job, Job for me right now is pushing against any form of judgmentalism. Hmm. Uh, my application is, goes in two different directions or they're, they're really, it's really more two re- thoughts in response to this whole conversation. The first is an application for people who are doubting. Because this is one of the questions that comes up for a lot of people of like, why do bad things happen to people who seem like they're trying their best? And why do people who are obviously doing things that are wrong, like, why does it go well for them? Like the unfairness of the world for some people is a way of saying there must not be any, you know, order beyond this. There must not be a God out there. Otherwise he would take care of some of these things. Um, and, and especially when it comes into your own life, you say, look, why, why did I get dealt this terrible hand? There must not be a God out there. I, there's not a, a quick answer in this passage about that, but the fact that the passage is here actually helps with some doubt because sometimes we have those questions and we think, I'm I, like, this is, I'm throwing this at the Bible and the Bible's saying, hang on, I already threw it at you. <laughs> like, like there's, there's a certain amount of like, I already got there first. Like a godly guy in the Bible already expressed this doubt probably more pointedly than any of us ever have of saying, no, the world doesn't seem fair. And I see that, but I'm still going to seek God and say, what's going on here? And so there is something about the permission to have that question, but also the the push to say, don't let it drive you away because it's already right there in the Bible. Like we got all the, all the objections to, to God are already found in God's book. So that's one application. The second one is less of an application, more of just a connection. Um, when innocent people suffer and wicked people prosper, it is always good to look at Jesus. Now, I know this is Old Testament, so Job isn't doing that. But when that happens, it's important to see that the most innocent person who never sinned in any way suffered the most. Like the ultimate answer to Job's questions here, like biblically speaking, doesn't come until Jesus is on the cross and you say, oh my goodness, what? why would this happen? Um, and, and you see that uh, the most innocent person chooses to suffer for the sake of people who really don't deserve it. And so uh, the, I, I'm pointing towards that because you can get in a, a, a passage like this and just get bogged down in the, the hopelessness, um, but to know that God himself endured the injustice of that in order to free us from that uh, gives us hope. That's good stuff. All right, friends, that's all we have for you. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule. In the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.